Consummate athletes seeks health, community, and adventure through movement. And here on the podcast, longtime endurance coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford and author and cycling coach Molly Herford are helping you lead your best active, adventurous life. Every week, we talk with professional athletes, health and fitness experts, and of course, real-life consummate athletes. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another quick Friday episode of the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going? It's going well. Yeah, we've had a range of weathers this year, so, or this year, this week, this year even, I guess. But uh, yeah, been out running more and riding and strength is going well. And yeah, I'm feeling actually pretty good. I feel like coming around here. And pretty excited because our book came out on Sunday. Yeah, Becoming, thank you. Becoming a Consummate Athlete is out. And thank you so much to everyone who's gotten their copy. A lot of people actually have their copies in hand now, which is super exciting. And we're seeing a lot of Instagrams. I am particularly loving all of the uh, dogs. dogs. Yeah, dogs with the book. Uh, so thank you Dogs so and, much. and people, uh, Yuko, uh, mainly <laughs> drinking scotch. So maybe we have bonus points for pictures of dogs and or scotch consumption with the book. It's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We have gotten some jokes about we, we neglected to put in a scotch chapter of the book. Uh, sorry. Right. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> we'll have to add that as a bonus chapter for the next one. And it's sort of strategies around consumption, I guess. But uh, we do touch on consumption, but uh, perhaps not in the tasting menu. Yeah, Peter's, our, our Peter's top scotch recommendations. Yeah, version, version two. Yeah. Uh, although speaking of recommendations, uh, we also have a lot of gift guides going up on consummateathlete.com right now. So if you're kind of trying to think of a gift to get for another athlete in your life, or frankly, you're, you're just kind of wondering what other people should get you and you maybe want to give some gentle nudges in the right direction. Uh, you know, check check out consummateathlete.com for all our all of our different gift guides. Yeah, and there are, did the book ones make that into? Did they make the cut? Yep, they're up this week actually. Okay. So you can head over there if you check out the cozy athlete. Uh, the one thing I really wanted to prioritize this year is, uh, you know, because it's been a bit of a calmer year from like a racing standpoint and such a hectic, stressful year from an everything else standpoint. Uh, the first gift guide I put out this week was all about some cozy stuff for athletes so healthy but also cozy so my favorite north face booties made it into the they've made the gift guide like three years running now because they're just my favorite cozy booties uh there's an instant pot on there talking about how that's just the best thing ever for making quick soups and stews and what's cozier than a, a nice stew uh, and of course, you can curl up next to your fire with a good book. So a bunch of Peter's book recommendations are in there. Yeah, we had a couple listeners actually in different ways have asked about book recommendations for certain things or for certain people. Uh, so we tried to put that into the gift guides and I responded to those emails. So definitely use contact form if there are or the messages on the Instagram and so forth. Uh, if you do have a question either for an episode or for you know something like that, I'm always happy to do that but we tried to put some of those those common books that i'm recommending into these gift guides as well so if you're wondering sort of if about learning more about training or coaching or sport uh there's a couple in there awesome all right so today's topic all about cross training yeah and essentially this is you know we could have called ourselves i guess cross training instead of consummate athlete or like the cross training athlete or something i was gonna say i mean yeah. this is basically like our entire ethos yeah it's weird it seems like sometimes i'm like well, this is common sense but then you'll talk to different athletes or different coaches like i have athletes that come to me partially because cross training is a big part of my coaching philosophy right and that doesn't mean it needs to be part of 
every athlete's program. Certainly that's, you know, sometimes you have to be specific and, and certainly every coach is not wrong by, you know, if there are coaches that don't use it as much or at all, or prefer not to, uh, there's reasons and good arguments for both. But, uh, I wanted to just go through and sort of just talk about, uh, we have an article that's going to go up with this post, uh, and just the reasons for cross training, uh, so that you understand why you might include cross training into your season, right. Versus just doing your main sport. All right. Perfect. So hit us with the reasons. Well, I started as a Canadian. We start with weather, right? That's uh, important, right? Sometimes it's just, it's the only way. And this could mean something like a cross-country skier who can't cross-country ski and then has to run and pull run and bike and, you know, use a ski erg. And there's a lot of things that are not the thing, right? Strength training, core training is big in cross-country skiing. And this year, all the cyclists who can't flee the country during the cold weather. Well, and that's what we're trying to combat, right? Is like, the response that we immediately go to an indoor trainer only thinking that this is the most specific training we can be doing, but it's actually a much more restricted version of our sport. I always say I'm fond of the, it's the batting cage. It's not baseball, right? It's, there's a lot more to whatever discipline you're doing than just the indoor trainer. Uh, and I think we're missing, which we'll get into here. We're missing some of the opportunities that not doing our sport can provide, right? Again, this is my philosophy and my belief, but I think this holds true. If you look at historically what the great cyclists have done, especially for, uh, mountain biking and different ones, right? Like stories of, you know, skiing for two and three and four months, right? And we have lots of evidence like Katarina Nash, who's been on here lots of times, who still does lots of different sports and, and obviously came from cross-country skiing. S still ranked eighth in the world in cyclocross, despite yeah. not racing last year. Just got bumped up, yeah. So we're hoping, <laughs> calling her for the win. Uh, we don't. Do you know she's not going over? Do we know any? We're going to have to check I, in with I'm CX Hairs sure. on this. CX Hairs is just done. We should give them another shout-out. They did a great review of European Championships. If you haven't checked that out and you're, you're wanting for cross, they did that. And our friend Jeremy Powers called the race, I think. I don't know if you can still watch it. I assume you can on GCN maybe uh, for our North American friends. I'd like to point out that I've called Katarina Nash her world champion like for every year for the past decade. Yeah, yeah we'll see. I think she might be staying put uh, in North America for this year, but I don't know. Don't want to speak for her. Speaking of busy people, our second reason then is time. You know, this is a, a big reason that uh, cross training is part of my philosophy is that I work mostly with adults who are busy and have families and work and everything else. And so this is the example of, you know, our cyclist who can train indoors or otherwise maybe five to eight hours is pretty common a week, but they might have a gym at work that they can strength train. They might be able to do like a lunch run. They might be able while they're traveling to continue training. You know, this is a, a separate thing, but uh, you know, related this idea of there's disruption to training. And if the biggest thing for training is consistency, you know, could we run while we're on vacation, run while we're on that business meeting, run while the weather's crummy and actually keep consistency up, right? Yeah. And I mean, a short, easy run is much shorter than a short, easy ride. Like I'd say, you know, rides barely start till like you've hit the over an hour threshold, whereas like a short, easy run could be like 20 minutes and you're pretty good. Yeah. And I think the setup may be too, right? I think there's, you're going to see different things. Alan uh, Cousins has a great post about sort of the crossover between the two sports is always the debatable thing is like, can runners be good cyclists if they just run and, you know, I would like to say that uh, being able to keep up with the national team at every camp I've done on just running pretty much proves yeah that yes. well <laughs> well and that's the idea right with this cross training when we're talking about the adaptations um you know there's sort of central adaptations we might say so there's sort of like the heart the lungs um, I, I would include mental factors you know mental toughness the year or two we did crossfit like 
you know, not cycling, but I would say some of the biggest things I took away from that, um, were, were mental toughness, right? Like you just get so good at, you know, something like the, the 20 minutes, there's the Cindy workout and is one of the, the big ones we always used to do was just 20 minutes of pull-ups, squats, and push-ups. Very simple, but you just keep rounding through these things and you're just, you just keep going. Right. And I would say that the mental toughness you take from that is huh. all I took from CrossFit was a herniated disc. Well, there are jokes. I was trying to avoid those, but you know, there's, there's, <laughs> there's risk and there's benefit from everything. Right. And I think we want to look at that when people say, you know, is this good? You want to say for, good for what and good for who, right. And good when, right. And this is always, nothing's bad. It just depends when you're using how much, right. Uh, it's in the context. Okay. So we're talking about, Time, so max. I think that makes sense, right? Sometimes we could. I, I guess the way I round that out is: Would you bet on you? At, you know, say you're your five to eight hours masters cyclist runner, whichever, at, with your five to eight hours, or would you bet on yourself if you were also able to do, say, a five k run two and th- two to three times a week, or or the version of yourself who can go to the gym twice a week as well, right? Or 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 walk with your dog. You know, we love walking and hiking here. Um, you know, just someone who's generally healthier, a little more resilient. You could think about this as work capacity. Does that make sense? Yes. Cool. You mentioned over or, or injury. We could actually use cross training to avoid overuse injury, right? Molly's a runner, an ultra runner, right? And this is a group, you know, as a, a female ultra runner, uh, you know, very prone to over, different types of overuse injuries. We could include things like red ass and energy availability. We could include bone fractures. Uh, you, you just say knee pain, right? This is common in cyclists. This is common in runners. This is common in rock climbers. Even like Lots of different sports have injuries associated with them that are, are overuse, right? Not a traumatic fall, but we run and the impact or cyclists, you know, it's a lot of repetitions. So you could make an argument for going away from your sport for a block. We had a question about this a few uh, Q&As ago, a few Fridays ago about doing a whole like a winter running block and then a summer cycling block, right? And sort of just mixing your sport seasons, which we loved. I think is a great idea. Uh, and you could make a compelling argument that your body likes these cycles, right? So you could almost do right now we're pushing a big strength training block for a lot of clients just because Again, we have the time, races are a little fuzzy, so why not try to do more strength training, build up some muscle mass, build up maybe some bone density, uh, you know, and then let your body build itself, right? And a lot of these endurance sports are very catabolic, right? They're very, like, (laughs) ripping you apart, using up your energy reserves, especially the ultra stuff. So you can think about cross-training in blocks of seasons and avoiding overuse. I think related, which will be my final note, is you could have an ultra runner who, again, would you bet on the ultra runner who does 50 miles a week, um, you know, of running, or the one who does, say, 50 miles or even 40 miles, but then also does a bunch of bike rides to sort of augment that. And, and we would look at that as like a central. They're training their heart and lungs and this sort of thing. But then they're saving their body from some of that impact that might in a week or a month or a year actually become a stress fracture or become something. Right. So you're mixing it up to let your body absorb and become fitter, but, you know, shifting the load I guess yeah it's interesting to me like that's almost like the reverse time one where you know in in the case you previously mentioned we're talking about time crunched people and busy people and how they can you know be more efficient but I think the the flip side is also true so if you if you're a runner and you need to add more volume or you want to add more volume uh, there's there's only so many miles you can run you know, in a week before you start breaking down versus you can ride a lot before you start breaking down as long as you're fueling properly. So like I've found 
doing our big cycling blocks in the winter to be just some of the most beneficial things ever and just following up the short runs. Right. And I think riding off of that, the next two are sort of related to injury. And again, we can include mental injury with this. So this idea for you, I know that after those blocks of cycling, you are way more motivated to get out on your runs again. Oh, dear God, yes. Right. And so this is avoiding burnout. So sometimes what I'll do is, you know, I'll, I'll be like lock up my bike and only run for a little while, you know, for a block of the season or, or maybe you only do a gym workout. Imagine that an endurance athlete like who doesn't do anything but say walking and, and strength. Right. And again, this could be very beneficial from a motivation standpoint, but also I think you'd be surprised about fitness. But again, even just in the in the week, right, if we think about this as a microcycle versus we're talking sort of yearly, annually in these other examples. But if you think about, again, the, the ultra runner who gets to go and ride on a Friday instead of do another slow run or something, right? Hopefully on Saturday, they're super amped to get back out and do maybe some, you know, hilly, you know, a moderate interval workout or something on, on Saturday, right? Uh, and this, the idea is to mix it up a little bit. And especially in the, the, the base or the general preparations parts of the year, when the volume's high, um, you know, and this could be relative, you know, what high means, but it just mixes it up. Right. And, and this could be because of weather, but it could also be honestly from motivation. Like, you know, I, I certainly find being able to run and cross country ski and snowshoe and stuff. It just keeps it fresh, but you're accumulating time. All right. So related to injury. Number five, we have rehab and injury. So if Molly, and you've been in this boat, you've, you've not been able to run because of an injury, you could ride your bike perhaps, um, you know, and so you're riding. I have a client who's only able to run right now and, and cycling actually is, is quite, it isn't an option, right? So she's taking a break from cycling. I find swimming is so good in that case too. It could be, yeah, and you don't know, right? Sometimes swimming's the only thing people can do. Sometimes swimming actually aggravates it, right? So you could have a swimmer who's trying to, to you know, use rowing or something, you know, and you mix and match your sports to sort of again, this trying to tie in arms or whichever, you know, be as specific maybe as you can in some cases, but we can sort of cycle through, so to speak. Um, you know, this idea of maybe week one you're doing one run or or a short short run, you know, two or three times a week, and then you know, you build that up and sort of decrease the cross training as you rehab, right? So in that way, you're almost like periodizing your cross training as you recover from your injury and get back up to full specific sport training. Um, I've sort of touched on it there for number six is I, I, this, I just read this in high performance training for sports by Joyce and Lewinden, uh, which is a, a big textbooky type book, very good book, but a lot of varied topics. So if you're looking for a, a, a textbook type of read, but with a bunch of different sort of high performance topics. I think this is maybe beyond the the master's athlete in, in a lot of cases, but there's some great chapters. But anyhow, they had something that occurred to me and is part of my philosophy, but hadn't been worded as ele elegantly. And the idea that it's like a built-in peak. So we have our general preparation or our base period where we should be cross-training a lot and be not as specific. But as your race approaches, for sure you should do that specific thing. And it should begin to look more and more like the race. So, and and generally that also means less volume. Obviously our ultra runners maybe are a slightly different thing, but at some point we're going to taper, reduce, you know, recover for the race. So the idea that with the peak is that like when you're not peaking, you should be cross training and that helps elevate the volume. And then as you're getting more specific, you're dropping the volume by dropping the cross training. I was like, isn't that just so simple? Right. I don't know if everyone's as mind blown by that as I am, but it's number six. Okay. Specific adaptations, which again can get kooky, 
but the idea is that like you might cross train to get like a certain benefit, right? So one of the good examples that you brought up is sort of a cyclist, maybe trying to get you strength training or running or walking to get some weight bearing and try and not have like low bone density. I just saw a study that it was like, was it 70% or 50%? It's a high per, 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 uh, percent. Thank you. Percent of male, like a cyclist. And I can't remember age. So this is sort of an odd anecdote I'm giving you. But uh, in any case, cyclists are very prone, like over 50% will say. Whereas uh, there, has, there was a recent study that was like one minute of running a day for women actually dramatically increased bone health. Yeah. And, and the, the hopeful thing, this was actually tied to Red S. It was actually a Red S study in men which men don't get nearly enough studies. Yes, it's really too bad that men get just in, completely in red ignored. S. So in. the idea actually was that like by re they did a this, what I'm talking about like a period in the off season where they actually like made them, you know, eat enough and also reduce training because there's both sides of that, right? There's you can eat more or you can train less um, to sort of be, reach this energy balance where there's enough to build bone, maintain bone, in this case build bone, right? And just the other processes in the body. Um so anyhow, you could do a specific strength block with the idea of getting a certain adaptation from that, right? That you couldn't get from your main sport. And I think, you know, you could talk about strength training. You could talk about lots of different things. I think, again, you could get quite kooky with that. The other one that seemed, you know, may not be related to a lot of our endurance sports, but it could be something like a track cyclist, right? You could debate is any dis other discipline of cycling cross training, perhaps. Um, but some of these sports, you know, team sports, track cycling, rowing on water would be an example where you, you don't have access, uh, our downhill skiers. We've been doing presentations for Alpine, uh, clubs recently, you know, the access to the ski runs might be limited. So again, you might have to use cross training to get fitness, to keep the athlete fit enough. Right. Right. Does that make sense too? Um, and again, this relates almost to weather. And I think number eight, which I think is the last one, unless you have another one, and, and this is sort of central to our philosophy, is the idea of community, right? The the being able to go and, uh, you know, trail run with one group of people, then go on mountain bike with a whole other group of people, and then road ride with a whole other group of people. But like not right now in the span of three days because COVID. Yes. Yeah. You want to be careful with that for sure. Um, you know, but uh, in principle, you're mix you, you can talk about it on the internet with different type of people, right? So some people will get your your endurance athlete things. I just saw a study about stretching and volleyball were like very linked to longevity, and I couldn't access the full the, the full study yet. So if anyone has access to that, please send it to me. Uh, but the idea was that those two sports, for some reason, just the people lived a long time, and so they they surmised that there was some relaxation maybe with the the stretching. And the yoga, or sorry, the, the yoga, the volleyball maybe was like community and maybe combined. I, I would, you know, there's probably a good fitness, a good amount of jumping, you know, coordination, balance. There's a lot of good movement in volleyball along with the community, right? And that's, I think our idea here is that by accessing different sports, i.e. cross training, you know, you're, you're going to involve more people. You're going to meet more people. You're going to be able to like have a good community, right? Which is, is very healthful, very good for longevity. Uh, and I think a, one of, if you only need one reason to cross trade, I would say that's it, right? Yeah. I think the only, the only thing I would add is just uh, sometimes cross training is a great way to just take the ego out of everything you're doing. Like, I mean, it comes back to sort of what you're talking about with motivation and burnout, but sometimes it's, it's really easy to get in your own head about the sport that you 
you know, are, are good at or are focused on. Um, but cross training is an awesome way to, I think, especially with other people get out and be a beginner and not be stressed about it or like not feel like you have to be super competitive with everyone that you're riding or running with or skiing with or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great one. So we'll add that as number nine. We'll call that ego in comparison. And I think that's, that's a good one, right? Like as to sometimes it makes the, it more enjoyable. That could be related to burnout and stuff too. But um, I've seen that with athletes who are like, you know, you, they're almost starting to burn out because of like the numbers game. And then you just tell them to go, just go snowshoe, right? Cause you're not going to be impressed with any sort of pace, you know, heart rate often is quite low and you just go, no, I just want you moving on those snowshoes for four hours, right? Just go trudge in the woods. And if there's anything that's good for your soul, it's like just trudging in the woods on some snowshoes on a snowy day. Um, but that could be a walk. That could be lots of different things. Um, and you just remind me, do you have more on nine on the ego? That's that's all I got. Uh, efficiency was the other thing. Sometimes, um, we, we don't want, this isn't always apparent, but especially for like body composition and weight loss, people are, you know, they'll go and ride bikes, which are a very efficient machines by nature. But then also if you're good at it, you become more and more efficient as a cyclist. It's true. You mountain biking versus me mountain biking, the energy expenditure for us on like the same course it's a lot more for me. Yeah. And that's like, I don't even know if you'd call that efficiency. You certainly could. Um, like that's it's like a I'm different type, it. but that's like a technical efficiency and someone who's like really into physics or, or energetics, um, physiology is going to rip us apart on that. But the idea just being that like, you know, kettlebell swings and, and pushups, you're not going anywhere and takes a lot of energy. Right. Um, I'm standing by my mountain bike example. No, it's, it's good. I think no. you're, because the energy expended when I have to come out of a corner versus when you do is significantly higher. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on in that perspective, uh, but I, I guess we're getting into the nitty gritty here. So yes, doing a thing you're not very good at is just going to take more energy. So it could be technical. It could also be, um, you know, if you're not great at running, you're going to waste a bunch of energy, right? Whereas the you know, if you've been running marathons your whole life, you're going to be very efficient at running. Not that it's not a good activity, but it's just, if you're trying to build work capacity, you could make an argument for using another sport. You're not, again, I use cross-country skiing. I've been doing it a lot of my life, but I am not a great cross-country skier and I use poor skis so that I don't have, um, that would be like a mechanical efficiency almost, right? Like you, you use a heavier bike. You use, um, there's just a great study from Alex Hutchinson. I'm going to have to remember all these links for you folks on, in the show notes about using poles when you're running and, and that actually taking more energy. So it's less efficient to run with poles. So cross country run skiers will love this. Um, but then also could offload it. I other benefits actually that could help you, you know, endure longer to use Alex Hutchinson, uh, phrases, I guess. So that is, number 10. So those are 10 reasons. This is a nice round number for the article. 10 reasons to cross train. Amazing. Now, if we missed any, we'd love to hear. So you can certainly comment on the, in the post or, yeah. or message us on Instagram or, or other methods. Yeah. So definitely check out consummateathlete.com. We'll have this episode and all of the show notes. So all 10 reasons will be in there. Uh, yeah. So check it out. Let us know how you're planning on cross training in the coming weeks. And we hope to hear from you. All right, get out, enjoy your weekend, hopefully with a bit of cross-training thrown in. Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or any of our past episodes, please do us a huge favor, leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps us bring on, you know, great new guests and 
Yeah, we'd also love to hear from you. You can find us on the interwebs um, at consummateathlete.com, at consummateathlete on Instagram. Uh, and I am at Molly J. Herford on Instagram and Twitter. And Peter is at Peter Glassford. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we will see you next week. <laughs>